And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Banks, they're everywhere. There's really no doubt about that. I drive by a bunch of them on my way to work, home from work, all over. But the way that banks do business and the way banks will do business in the future is a lot different than you might think. There are banks that are still doing things old school. There are big banks, small banks, all kinds of banks. We're going to talk all about banks today. And before we get too far into that, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. With me today, I've got Jeff Wilkinson, and Jeff is the chairman and CEO of Keystone Bank. You can go to keystone.bank if you want to learn more about what they do. There's a link in the show notes for that. Straight out of Austin, Texas, Jeff, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thanks for having me on your show. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about this. I, uh, For those that listen to the show regularly, they know that I have a love-hate relationship with some parts of banking, and that's okay because there's... A lot of stuff that's changing, a lot of stuff that's improving. Now, before we get into that, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your backstory, just about you and then Keystone Banks. So let's have it. Sure. In in two minutes or less, I'll tell you everything there is to know about Jeff. Uh, originally, I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I grew up in, in Lee Summit, Missouri. Went to college in, in Warrensburg at the University of Central Missouri. Got out of college, got an accounting degree and went to work for a big accounting firm there in Kansas City. And uh, that's where I learned community banking. So um, was was asked and tasked with being an, an, a staff auditor and going to these little community banks all over the Midwest and doing their annual audit. So that's how I first got exposed was right out of college and uh, in, in going and in, in auditing these little rural community banks, which is where I really kind of honed my interest level and experience level in what is uh, what is the community bank section of the financial industry. And that's what I do. And that's what Keystone Bank is doing down here in Austin, Texas. So started as a CPA, worked my way through the accounting firm environment, worked through a few uh, banks themselves, um, doing bank consulting, uh, and then ultimately was was a, a CFO of a public bank holding company down here in Texas, which is how I got here. I got recruited for that. We sold that company. And then I started a bank called Pioneer Bank in May of 07, right before the last, you know, the the the, the Great Recession of 2008. We opened our doors in May of 07, and then everything plummeted. And then I built that to a billion two and left, started my non-compete, and then we started Keystone Bank in Austin, Texas, in October of 2018. Um, so we're so Keystone is just about three years old, and again, it's both of those banks were community banks. We can talk about that and unpack that if you want sort of what the what what my version of community banking is, but I, I do believe it's the best part of the banking system. 
Yeah, the, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, there's all kinds of different banks. I mean, you got mega banks, community banks, and you know, you've had neo banks and name it. Now, when you use the term community bank, how do you define that? Several ways. There, some of it is esoteric, right? I think it's a mindset as much as it is anything. However, structurally, uh, you know, if if you're if you're a bank, so that's different than when you mentioned the word neo bank or challenger bank or all of the fintech that's going on the the majority very few of those are actual banks although they sort of act like it they they don't have a bank charter so let's assume that we're talking about a bank right now for instance um you know i i, I look at it as your your bank is local you've got local deposits and you're making local decisions and you're not getting second guessed or overridden or asked to operate based upon a policy in another city or another state. So that's, to me, those that that's really the hallmark of community banking, local decision, local board, local management team, local deposits. Um, and uh, so I think that there's structurally some, some unique aspects of community banking, but it's really a mindset. Are you there for your community? Are you there for your shareholders? Are you there for your customers? Those are the hallmarks of community banking from 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 everything that I've been taught, learned, and seen be successful in the banking industry uh, throughout my whole career. What do you when you start a bank? Well, first off, what is required to start a bank? Like, what what does that process look like? Oh, that's interesting. So there's several ways to do it. Uh, one is what's called just getting a charter, and 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 you go through the FDIC to get your FDIC insurance, and you file an application, and you you can either be a state bank charter or a national bank charter, and it's really like a massive licensing process on steroids. Um, you have to have a business plan. You have to have a board. You have to have experience on the board. You have to have experience management. You have to have line of sight to the proper kind of capital. So you can't just have not, not, not any kind of entity and not any kind of shareholder can end up being the majority shareholder of a bank. So there's a lot of diligence around <clears throat> the shareholders are, but that that's so, so, and then that, then you start with, day one with just a license and a charter and FDIC insurance, you have no customers, um, then that's all you have. And so that's when I started my last bank, that's what we did. This time around, I did it the other way, which is I, I bought and acquired a small community bank about three hours from Austin. Uh, it's a rural community bank. It's been around a long time. Two brothers owned it and they were ready to retire. And uh, they're, uh, we were able to acquire their bank from them and then just rename it and move the headquarters to Austin, Texas. You really just you're starting out of the gate a little bit ahead of the ahead of the curve when you do it that way. So that's how we did it the second time was we bought a bank and then just renamed it, moved it to Austin. So from the outside looking in, it looks like, you know, the bigger the big banks are getting bigger and a lot of the community banks are going away or at least consolidating here, like here in Kansas City. I just my bank or or well, I should say the bank I was using joined forces with about 10 other banks and became one larger chain. What bank was that? Uh, it was Mission Bank. It was like a, literally a small community bank. And the reason I banked there, because it was right around the corner from my house. And right. now they have with, and it seems like they did a consolidation operation to put a bunch of them together into what is now known as Security Bank. Got it. Now, now that said, it feels like that is happening a lot, or I'm seeing a lot of the small banks kind of go away. So when we talk about the future of banking, is it is it 
consolidating the small community banks? I mean, can, can a, you know, I, and this is a, I would kind of be surprised if you said no, because I'm going to ask a pretty direct question here. But I mean, can a small community bank thrive in an, it, all by itself and still meet the kind of like technological and other needs that customers have these days? Well, the easy answer would be to say, wow, that looks scary. I don't see how that's possible. Right. I mean, that's right. That's sort of like the easy answer. The, 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 the real answer is, is that absolutely they can thrive. Uh, sticking to the community bank charter and the mission is really the key. And from there, it can be an incredibly attractive option in the marketplace. You've seen it. You've experienced it. Anytime a bank goes through the merger, then you, you know that the, the combined company spends years trying to figure out the assimilation of systems and cultures and customers, and it just it just creates dislocation and and it creates an opportunity for another entrepreneurial minded banker that wakes up one day and says, you know, I could do this myself. Let's go get a group of my customers and investors in the community and let's start a bank. So we, you know, we haven't really we we've seen a return to chartering. What I'm going to refer to as chartering banks. Um, startup banks, we've seen a return to that. It's still not like it was in 05 and 06 in that period of time when, when we saw, I believe in 06 and 05, I think there was 600 some banks that were started around the country. It got a little crazy in, uh, from 08 to, you know, until recently. But I still think that there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for those that have the stomach for it. It is much harder. It is more expensive. There is no doubt about it. Uh, you you got to bring your track shoes to work every single day. But if you can just, if, if you understand and identify with what you are and what you represent to entrepreneurs and business owners in the community, you can, it, it is the best way uh, to have a relationship is with a local community bank. So yeah, there's less of us around because sometimes these owners, they, 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 they get to a point where they've kind of hit the wall on growth or they've hit the wall on their ownership. It's aged out and ready to, you know, do something different with their money. So I think it will always, it, it, will, it will continue to be, uh, we'll continue to see some consolidation, but I also think we'll continue to see community banks get larger and larger. The, okay. mar the marketplace, the, there, is a, there is a certain segment of the marketplace that understands the counterparty risk of banking. It's no different than a counterparty risk. If you're a manufacturer and you've got a third party, I mean, every, every, your, your insurance vendor, you name it, there's always a counterparty risk of who you're doing business with. And as a business owner, you're, you're on banking, your counterparty risk is your bank. And, and who's, who's going to have the less risk for me when I really need something and I really need to walk in and I really need to have a conversation with somebody and I need to be able to reach the decision makers, not 10 times removed in another state or another city. Uh, and that's a, that's your local community bank. So I think we 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 see huge upside to community banking every time there's a dislocation like we've experienced with the pandemic. Uh, banks like Keystone Bank, uh, our 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 funds don't stop. I could have meetings from sunup till sundown with people that are just worried about their financial future and they want to be able to look the banker and the and the leadership in the eye and be able to walk in and see them if they want to. Uh, without having to go through an 800 number, or try to figure out 12 layers to get through. So I, I think that's a long way to answer your question. I'm a huge fan of community banking. Uh, we are, uh, our bank at Keystone, we're we're $460 million bank already after three, we're, we turned three here in October, in, in October 15th, which is probably, which is more than almost, it's double what our five-year projection was. 
for the bank. So, um, and again, I think a lot of that has to do with the, the, the pandemic that we just went through. People race away from their other banks where they have no relationship into the local community banks all over this country. So community banks like mine are growing. It's not just Keystone. It's across the board, across the country. Smaller community banks are growing like crazy. So in the past, I've had a couple local bank CEOs seek my counsel just because they were curious about what they could do to get more startups and entrepreneurs to open accounts at their bank. And one of the things that I, you know, and with that, you know, I mentioned at the top of the show that, I mean, entrepreneurs do on many days have a love-hate relationship with banking. I think it's largely related to not being with the right bank not necessarily just the industry, but one of the things that, that is a challenge is when it comes to the, the prospect of borrowing money and you look at the way that startups, especially tech startups, like you can have a tech startup that doesn't make money and has a hundred million dollar valuation on it. And that breaks traditional banking formulas and it makes it very difficult. Like I'll give you an example. So my company, Full Scale. We provide tech services. We're not even truly a tech company, purely more of a tech services. And, you know, at one and with that, we have accumulated, oh, a couple million dollars worth of equity in other startups. Now, these are startups that are venture backed, but not publicly traded. And and most of the banks that we talk to wouldn't even recognize them as any kind of asset because they're not allowed to. How do you think that is the future of banking even considering that kind of stuff. Cause like you will see companies, like I said, that will have these big exit and acquisitions, you know, for hundreds of millions of dollars. And they probably on some levels couldn't have gotten a loan at, at most banks. So is that something that, that banking needs to address? Or do you think that the banking as an industry is, is not concerned about that? I think banking as, a, as an industry is concerned with that. We we'd love to make loans to, startup companies that pose incredible risks. It's unsecured lending. It's, it's, it's frowned upon in the banking industry. There are, right. cer- there are certain larger banks uh, like Silicon Valley Bank and others that have sort of pioneered a way to, to, to make that happen. I know in our case down here in Austin, Texas, we go out of our way to meet any, any and all entrepreneurs in Austin, Texas, uh, that we can, the venture capital folks that support them. We have longstanding relationships. We, 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 we are opportunistic. Uh, we are creative and we are aggressive. They're just certain things that are not bankable. Certain companies right. just are not bankable, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that the entrepreneur doesn't need to have a relationship with one when something comes up that is bankable. And I think that that's the key. I mean, I think most entrepreneurs understand that a pre-revenue pre-profit company probably doesn't deserve a whole lot of no. regular senior commercial bank debt. Um, like I said, there are others that have, that have played in this space. And, 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 and if you're not with Silicon Valley bank, because your venture capital group doesn't have all their portfolio companies with them or whatever, where do you go? Well, you just, you keep talking until you find the most aggressive creative community bank you can, because I think that's where the opportunities are at. I know we, we we look at sponsorship and who's behind it and the success and track record, and we take risks with people, um, and we take risks with those that really identify and, and align with the community bank strategy. We, na- we may not be the cheapest, we may not be the most expensive, but we're going to be the quickest, smartest uh, for you to get you a, a quick yes or no and, and, and work with you as you're building your company and, and, and be a resource. And I think that that's 
to me, that's what we love is when we get that phone, that first phone call from Ron Turnham thinking about doing this. I'm sure it's not bankable. What do you think? You know, this is where I'm heading. Do you think you might be able to plug in some debt later on? Those are the conversations we love having because ultimately those are the folks that really truly understand the value of the community bank versus the transactional big banks. And I, I would I would caution any entrepreneur that is out there that you really do need to have a local, you need to have a relationship with a non-transactional bank like a community bank. Keep, keep, keep working your keep working your networks until you meet the decision makers in the local community banks and make sure that they're local. And I, I think that local community banks are the ones that are willing to get to know somebody and they still do understand the value of, of, of character and success. And so I no, think no, I, I agree. I agree. I think the key, I think the key that you mentioned was the, the speed to yes or no, like you're going to tell me, no, I'm, I get it. That's fine. Just don't take eight weeks to do it. And that's where, yeah. that's yeah. where the entrepreneurs that I know that, that, how that have a gripe about wherever they've banked or who they're trying to do business with. And I've, I've experienced it myself, you know, you end up seven, eight weeks into a process and then you're told, no, you're like, wow, you know, that would have been good to know, you know, way sooner. Cause you know, you only have so much time, so much energy. And the, and the, for the bankers that I talked to, they were pretty frustrated about, about the inability to loan for certain things. And, you know, I remember, I remember saying, so, you know, in this particular case, and we were just looking for, to reorganize some of our debt. And I said, so I've got $2 million worth of stock in companies that are doing really well. And you won't give me a loan based on that, but somewhere there's, there's a, a truckload of bolts that you'll, that you'll loan against. And you, what are you going to do with those? And the guy, I mean, what, and I won't, you know, I don't want to disclose who said, literally said, well, I'd rather have, I'd rather be able to have the stock that you own, but I just can't, I'm restricted from doing that. There's regulations against that. And there's a lot to be said with that. And I, I, I really think that, you know, I have another friend too, that his, his whole uh, business strategy, anytime he does something new is to literally, like you said, he will just literally call bank after bank, after bank, after bank. And he, you know, whenever I talk to him, he'll tell me about whatever's going on. And I, now I just ask him, I'm like, how many banks? And him, oh, I had to call 83, but the 83rd was really excited about what we were doing. And, you know, just burn up the phone lines. And I mean, it's, it's just like raising capital folks. You know, you got to find people that believe in what you're doing and, and are willing to, to do something with it. So I think that's a big key to it. So, all right. Once again, with me today, I've got Jeff Wilkinson. Jeff's the chairman and CEO of Keystone Bank. Go to keystone.bank. There is a link in the show notes. There's also a link to fullscale.io. That's who today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by. If you need help building the software team quickly and affordably, reach out. We will give you, at a minimum, some good advice. All right. So, Jeff. What what made you want to start? What was the key driving factor in wanting to start another bank in Keystone? Like, what was the main problem you wanted to solve? Austin, Texas doesn't have enough local community banks. It's an okay. interesting market. It's it, we've all heard about it. I'm sure across the country about how amazingly fast Austin's growing and you know becoming you know the West Coast Silicon Valley. Yeah, we've heard all that. We've seen all of it. It's true. We're, this place is going like crazy, but. We don't have enough local banks. I could, those of us that are industry in the industry, we 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 know it probably better than 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 most. But we just we literally have a handful of local community banks, and this market's been primarily served by national banks. That you know, this is a tertiary market for them back you know ten fifteen years ago, and so we 
So we just don't have, uh, and we really need it at this at this at this pace of growth and the kind of the businesses and entrepreneurs that are here. They they need another local option, and um, and, and we have a lot of real estate developers here who, that you know that need a local option, and so that's why we wanted to start it. We felt like that Austin's entrepreneurs needed a local bank option, and the smart entrepreneurs, the smart the the one that 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 calls until they find the right community bank, not necessarily the cheapest for the transaction that they're looking for. So that's the kind of entrepreneur that we're looking for. Somebody that values that relationship, that quick yes or no. What do you think about this? Uh, and so we, we take every meeting. Um, we, we, we think our, our job isn't done when we say yes or no, especially no. Our job is really to say yes, if we can do it. And if we can't do it, how do we find somebody that can help you get done what you want to do. Maybe it's an maybe it's an investor you need. Maybe it's somebody to guarantee your debt for the time being, as you're building or growing. I mean, we see all kinds of ways to help people plug into you know getting senior bank debt at a local community bank, and that's what you know that's what Austin needed, and that's why we wanted to start a uh, uh, Keystone Bank. What have been some of the biggest challenges that have come with that, especially with you know one of the things we talk about. A lot on the show is, uh, you know, my business is barely older than yours. And, you know, we're up to 220 employees worldwide, which creates a lot of joy and pain at the same time, just because growing fast is, well, it's a lot to keep up with. Uh, so what, what have been some of the major challenges or, or obstacles to overcome when it comes to a bank startup? Well, I would. I have no, you know, we have the same problems that everybody else does. We, it, it is always a challenge to find the right fit uh, uh, with the right kind of talent. So I'd say people is, is a challenge. The reason it's a challenge for us is we're pretty picky. We, we, we're, we're not, we're, we hire for fit. We never hire for need. So I meet a lot of great bankers. If they don't fit, they don't get hired. And, and I think that that limits your pool, Right. If you if you if you only want the very best that fit, then you you've got a, a pretty narrow spot to fill. But we've been we've been blessed and fortunate that we found our people, so we're up to sixty employees strong. But we, I'd be remiss if I didn't you know if I didn't have some you know challenges firing in the right people over over time. Um, we could have never predicted when we started the bank that we were going to be faced with a pandemic. So I would be silly if I didn't say that's been an enormous challenge. I, we've been very fortunate um, in that, you know, being new, we've got good technology. Uh, we, we had some time together in the bank, the core group of people that were sort of in the launch early phases of the company to sort of begin to build a culture and, and a camaraderie and a momentum. And, 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 and so when we all when we went home in March of 2020, we thought it was going to be help flatten the curve. We'll see in two weeks. And then it ended up being a year. We were walking from home, all but a few people and, you know, essential staff in, in the branch to be there to answer phones and, and man the drive up. So that's been, that was a challenge, but we rose mm -hmm. to the challenge and, and we were able to use technology very, very effectively. The marketplace, our customers were very flexible. Uh, they understood the same thing that we had to, which is, you know, we need to protect each other and let them stay away. They didn't need to come in. They didn't want to come in. And so they were they were more than willing to to utilize, you know, phones and, 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 and Zoom and that thing to communicate with the bank. So that was a huge challenge to to really fight through and figure out, you know, what's that going to do to us? And, and really, it, it really helped us um, when we when PPP loans and 
the community banks of this country absolutely nailed it. Thank goodness we had community banks because the large national banks didn't kill it. Uh, we, we, we did 1,067 loans for 120 million as a brand new bank. And, uh, and, 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 and I'm glad we were in business and I'm glad we were able to help the Austin community because a lot of those people just got left behind by their large banks. Um, and, uh, we were able to pick up the slack. So that was fantastic. Um, you know, for us. I don't think a lot of people had global pandemic under the T <laughs> on their SWOT analysis. I was in the exact same boat. I almost got stuck in the Philippines in March of 2020. I was over there when the pandemic hit helping build out our office went from, from one of the most invigorating weeks in the business to one of the most chaotic and stressful. So yeah, that's been a, it, it been a, a challenge. Now amidst that, it sounds like much like you did, we grew and found our way through it. And, you know, I mean, I th is there, is there another choice is really kind of what we said on many days, you know, are we going to, you're going to sink or you're going to swim. It's, much like the yes or no you're looking from your bank, it might probably help to make a quick decision on that in your business. So, okay, so as you mentioned, Austin's on fire right now. It's kind of the Silicon Valley of the South, or at least it, it looks like it's pointing to be. Um, has that has that forced you to change your, well, what has that caused you to have to change? Because let's just, the, from one startup person to all the rest, we're we're kind of weird on some days. But doesn't Austin like to keep it weird anyway? Isn't that part of Austin's logo or, or mantra? I think that's part <laughs> of the mantra. You know, keep 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 Austin weird. Uh, we have a. I, I just find it to be a very cool place. You could be right. you can be whatever you want to be here. It, you can be as anonymous as you want to be. You can be. You can really be anything you want to be here. We do have a, you know, it's a melting pot now. If you meet somebody that's from Austin, it's rare. Um, you know, I just think it's just, I just think it's a really cool city. And there's some really talented people that were here before the end migration started. And I think we've just added to that. Keeping away from politics, which is always a challenge and don't care what city you are. But I do think that there's, this is a pretty open um, this is a pretty open community. I think you can plug in however you wish. People are pretty open. Uh, people are willing to listen to what you have to say and what you're selling. Um, and uh, I love the environment here in Austin, Texas. Yeah, I've always had a good time there. I uh, uh, have an uncle that lives in Kerrville, not too far away. So we'll always find, find a little time to head over to Austin. And it's always been a breath of fresh air. That was also... Uh, the, the alternate city. I grew up here in Kansas City, but lived a bunch of other places. And when my wife and I decided to come back here, we, we also looked at Austin. Ask me if that was the better decision down the road. Maybe I'd know, maybe I don't. But I think Kansas City's on the, I think Kansas City's on the rise. Yeah. He's doing well. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of that's been fueled by the start. I mean, I'd see a pretty robust startup community here in Kansas City. I mean, especially compared to, I moved here from Indianapolis uh, where I had just been for eight years and that's where I met my wife. But when it comes to, you know, Austin, Austin seems to have leveled up, you know, they're, they, they've moved up a couple tiers. I mean, it's, and the, the interesting part is it's not, it's not a tremendously bigger market than Kansas city. So it kind of shows that, um, I mean, I think there's some favorable things in Texas that, um, when it comes to, you know, the, well, no state income tax doesn't hurt. So does not hurt. 
Yeah, now, now I believe that probably has a little bit to do with why some of my relatives may have moved there and why we've been visiting there for years. But yeah, it's certainly hot there. There's no doubt about that pretty much all, all year round, but I, but I like the warm weather. So we're good with that. So you know, when it comes to, when it comes to entrepreneurs in general, what do you think banks could do better to just be better for entrepreneurs? I think they have to have good technology. I think the average entrepreneur today expects uh, expects to have uh, good technology to back up, you know, the relationship and 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 the physical face to face side of the the bank. I think you have to have. I mean, they're just they have higher expectations. They still, you know, I think the the the, the savvy entrepreneur still wants to know who their bank is and. You know, they still want to be able to talk to them and call them on the phone, sit at a coffee shop and have coffee or just walk into the bank and say hi to their banker. Um, but I but I think that the, the, the entrepreneur today wants no no bank speak. Leave the bank speak at home, leave the ego at home. Uh, and I think that I think that they have the right to demand that. Quite frankly, I think our industry is evolving and changing. And I think back to the old days of banking, it's really all about the customer. My ego is secondary. Uh, the ego of the company is secondary. Uh, what we're here for is to make sure that they're successful. What's and, an example of bank speak? No, come on. You know, oh, my board said this or oh, my bank regulators don't let me do that. I mean, mm. how about how about just having a quick conversation about what are you trying to accomplish? Can I help you? Can I find a way to yes? Even if it's a little bit outside of the standard set of policies that we have, which we all have to have, right? You, you don't want to give your bank away. Then it'd be bad for all the other entrepreneurs that are already banking with you. You don't want to do that. Right. So good bets on people. You can't, everything can't be a custom solution. Uh, you have to have policies. You have to have parameters. There have to be things that you do and don't want to do or do and you, you like or don't like. But those should be the, those should be the guardrails. I don't think that those should just be the, the the stopping point for a yes or a no. I think that community banks, uh, uh, the good ones have really good custom approaches to their language and dialogue with their customer and they leave the bank lingo and the bank language and all of the bank parameters and all of the scary things that go along banking that we seems to drive some, I think a lot of the bankers egos or their self-worth by by talking about all of that stuff. Well, the entrepreneur doesn't care about that. Not today. As they get to know you, they'll, they'll sort of understand what you have to go through, what it's like to be a bank. What is it like to have to go through all those credit policies? And what is it like to have to deal with the regulators? But then that's really not the basis of a banking relationship. And so we try to, we try to leave all that behind. We try to listen to what the entrepreneur wants and how can we plug in and help them? Can we help them today? Does something need to change to allow us to help them in the future? No, I don't, you know, I tell my people, don't worry about whether you get a current customer or a current loan or a current deposit, because that's kind of the short term way of living. Live the long game with these people and they'll be there for you for a long time and you'll be there for them for a long time. So we try to play the long game. And the only way you can do that is just listen to what they want instead of trying to say, well, I can't do that. How about listening first? So I think listening first is what you're looking for as an entrepreneur. Who's the banker that's going to listen to what you have to say and leave all that bank speak behind instead of immediately saying, well, I can't do that. <clears throat> Going back to the, the tech piece. And I, and I agree with you. I think one of the things that, 
you know, as an entrepreneur, especially in my business, I'm, I try to automate anything and everything. It, and when it comes to technology, do you think it's harder for a community bank to keep up with some of that? Or is the plethora of fintech out there available right now an easy way to bridge the gap and be competitive with the mega bank? What's well, expensive, but I think it's the technology is better today than it was 10 years ago or so when I started my last bank. Um, you know, bankers and bank companies have a choice. Do you plug in with an existing company that's at the top of the food scale that has all, you know, there's three companies in our, in our industry that really own that space, Jack Henry, Fiserv, and FIS, and we chose Jack Henry. Um, they have outstanding technology. It's, you know, and then, and then you, you know, I don't think that you, I think the, the scary part is partnering with one of these fintechs that has what would appear to be a neat thing. Uh, but are they undercapitalized? Are they going to be around three years from now? Are they going to suffer a disruption because they sell out or merge or whatever? So I, I think there's some really cool things going on in our industry, but I think it's a sure thing to get with one of those big three. Um, they've vetted it. They've got thousands of banks using that. And they have good technology. We chose Jack Henry because we really, really liked what they're doing on the digital side. They acquired a company called Bano. The founder was out of Iowa. Um, he's, he did a great job building that organization. And that's really what they built their digital banking platform off of. And that's why we partner with them. We think they're great. And, and Ben Metz is his name. And he was the founder of Bano. And he's built some really cool stuff. Um, and so we have really outstanding technology for the individual and the bank and, and the business. So our corporate treasury stuff is on par with the best there is out there. So. so when it comes to being an entrepreneur, one of the things that is kind of a, a running, uh, we'll just say joke in the, or, or something you chuckle about is it's always easy to get investors when you don't need them. It's always easy to get loans when you don't need them because you qualify for all that. So what about banking when it comes to, what if you're a struggling entrepreneur? What's, the, what's a good way to, how, how do you frame that up in a way that a bank is gonna, it's gonna make sense to the bank? Like I, I totally get that a pre-revenue startup shouldn't have a loan on, for that company. That doesn't make any sense. That's not bankable, but there's so many companies that are, I, you know, I use the term meddling they're kind of stuck in the middle, you know, they're not going out of business and they're not growing fast enough and they might, might be, be even struggling a little bit. What's the, what's a little bit of advice from a banker to an entrepreneur about how to like, what, what do you look at then and there? Well, just be honest first off and uh, find somebody that's willing to sit down and have a conversation with you to, you know, start off by saying, Hey, grade my paper. This is what I look at. Instead of, thinking you have all the answers and that you're the successful entrepreneur and you don't really need a bank and you really should be given a loan because you're who you are, because you've got this cool company. And I'll just talk to 10 banks until I find the best deal and, and, and I'll just treat it like a transaction and they're just bankers or they're just banks. I mean, don't do that. So I would say, don't do that first off. Uh, approach every opportunity, realizing that what you're looking for is you're looking for the one bank that will listen to what you have to say and that will grade your paper and that will give you advice and that will help you structure from that point forward uh, what you can do to plug in. Is, is it an SBA loan? Is it a USDA you know, guaranteed loan? There's all kinds of different things that if bankers spend any time at all trying to figure 
out solutions for their clients? Is it a hard money lender? Is it a factoring company? Is it a is is it an angel investor? Is it you know is it this this and this? And I, and I love to sit down with it with it with an entrepreneur that's got an open mind and is willing to say, well, this is what I was thinking. What do you think about that? Well, I don't like that. Okay, what if we did it this way? So the 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 entrepreneur that doesn't take it personally and that can just match up with the other party, the other banker, and just have a brainstorming session and try to figure out how to get unstuck or how to how to how to get past it or how to resolve what kind of transaction they're looking at. Maybe it's a partner buyout. I I I could go on and on and on. You've got to find the bank that has the same mindset, and you're you're likely going to find it in a community bank versus a national bank or a credit union or any other kind of lender that's out there. You're looking for the community banker that's willing to take your phone call, and that is not worried about whether they get a loan or deposit today, and that they're playing the long game with you. They're out there all over this country. Community banks behave like this all over the country, and so that's what you're looking for. I don't know if I if I've if I've overstated it or understated it, but definitely treat the community banker like they're your partner from the time that you have the first meeting and realize that if you have the first meeting and you've met the person that you're confident is, then quit talking to other bankers. Nothing nothing turns a banker off more than to say, well, I'm, I'm still interviewing five other banks, right? I mean, you don't need to interview six banks. You just need to find the one that's right for you. Um, and, uh, and so that's that's my advice to entrepreneurs has always been that way. There are certain things that we can't do as a community banker. Um, and, um, you know, our job is try to figure out who are the other bankers that can help you along the way. So we I, we tell our people all the time, you better know you better know who's good out there um, when you can't meet your clients needs and they need something that we can't provide. You know, who's going to who's going to bring that solution to you. So we we love referring people to other bankers you know, that are, that are better at something than we are. Maybe it's a loan that's too big for us. Um, maybe we, maybe we need to find a, another bank that's bigger than we are that can handle the client. Um, but I, I just think by and large community bankers are the ones that are willing to sit down at a, at a conversation with you at, in, in their office and talk about possibilities. That's what you're looking for. Just talking about possibilities. So you use the phrase, I'm interviewing five other banks, and you mentioned that that's a turnoff. What are other things that entrepreneurs say to bankers that, that, don't, help their, that don't help their case or their relationship? Oh, my gosh. Did, your rate's so high. I, I can do better than that. Did you know that I could get this over at Wells Fargo today? I mean, I, so, we, so we spend all day long just our – it's a revolving door of banks running from the national banks, so – when, when you get quoted from these low rates that are out there with these larger banks, I mean, that's your, your counterparty risk is already set, sort of set. The, the risk of close is high. The, the, the likelihood of change from time you got quote till the actual deal structure is done and then somebody actually agrees to close it for you is, the, I mean, that risk is off the chart. So, I mean, we, we, you really don't want to be banking with another banker that, cares what other banks are doing. What you want to be working with is a savvy, well-run organization that's going to be competitive for you and is going to be within the ballpark of, of reasonableness for your borrowing costs to, to have access to that expertise, that relationship, and that quick yes or no 
um, you know, time and time again with good technology. So I, I just, I, I, you know, we don't mind competing. I love competing. I, I, you know, bring it on. We, you know, we, we, we win more than my fair share of business is sort of my motto, right? I mean, you got to compete and this is a competitive industry. We're not afraid of any of that. I just, you don't need to throw it in your bank's face. So I would just say caution word to the wise, just, if you're going to talk to other banks, great. Um, if you're going to compare deals, great. Being honest with people, especially if it's a real one-time real estate transaction, you're looking for your best, longest fixed. You know, we all get all of that. At the end of the day, you're still faced with the counterparty risk. And remember, you know, there's a price to pay for the lowest rate sometimes, depending on who, you're, who your bank you select. So um, I just, it's, 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 uh, I can tell you what we love. What I love is when the entrepreneur has experience with a community bank or they get it right out of the gate when they have that first interaction with a local community bank and they go, aha, this is what my friends have been telling me about. I've been missing. That's, you know, and just, we just love when we can have a dialogue with someone about what if this, well, what if we did it this way? How would you look at it like that? That, that interactive, uh, I love that. We, we, we absolutely community banks love that. And we're the best, we're the best spot in the industry for it. Once again, with me today is Jeff Wilkinson. Jeff is the chairman and CEO of Keystone Bank. You go to keystone.bank to learn more about what they're doing. I'm really liking what I'm hearing today, and I'm glad we did this episode. Now, I normally end my episodes with what we call the Founders Freestyle. I'm going to take a little bit of a, of a, of a pivot from that today. And before we get into that, once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was brought to you by FullScale. Go to fullscale.io to learn more about how we can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, I mentioned a little bit of a pivot from the, from we normally do the Founders Freestyle where we ask founders to give us the best advice about being entrepreneurs. And you're more than welcome to add that if you'd like. But I really just wanted to ask, I meant to ask this earlier. Now, we've been talking a lot about Austin and you being, and the bank being there and wanting to go to keystone.bank to learn more. Now, we have listeners in 190 countries. And thank you for so many of you that have tuned in and driven us past, driven millions of downloads to what we're doing. And the question I have is, is where does your bank accept clients from like i'm here in kansas can i open an account absolutely okay you bet there you go people keystone.bank now would you like to answer my normal standard question of your best advice you can give any entrepreneur i will tell you we have investors in keystone bank from kansas city okay yep so yeah we we have we have loans in kansas city we have customers in kansas city so i like it i like it now i want to give you a chance do you want to drop the best advice you could give any entrepreneur the best advice I could give any entrepreneur. Wow, that is tough. I will tell you this. <laughs> it's, it sounds like an easy question, so you and have I, to answer it. I get it. Okay, so maybe there's three things uh, all wrapped in one. Uh, if, I, if I'm an entrepreneur, I take every meeting that I can possibly take, no matter, no matter whether I think it's irrelevant, simple, small. You never know when somebody is going to be able to help you. Maybe it's an idea that maybe it's something they say. Maybe it's a relationship. I just believe you just need to take all the meetings that you can take. Um, hire the absolute best people that you can and get the hell out of their way. You cannot do it yourself. And, uh, that, that, that's that, and, and, you know, don't let grass grow under your feet because life's changing fast competitions sneaking up on you. They're all around you. Just, just bring your track shoes, 
that's you just got to bring your track shoes. You can't complain about it. It's going to be hard work. It's going to be a lot of work. Don't let grass grow under your feet. Hire the best people you can and, uh, you know, get out of their way. I don't know. That was probably that was four things, I think. As Sorry. long as you say them all in one sentence, they that count as one on this show. Okay. <laughs> yeah. As long as you don't take a deep breath, pause, or or let me say anything, it's still one. Well, there so, you go. That's what I believe. Yeah. So, you know what? There's going to be a future guest that's going to, I'm just going to hear like a, a, a massive like inhale, <laughs> and then five minutes later, we'll get past that. You know, a couple of things. There are a couple of takeaways from this. I mean, th this episode was definitely reinforced the, the positive nature that community banks can bring to entrepreneurship. I think that there is so much to be said about a, a, a short a short leap to decision makers. I think that community banks are a lot more willing to look at who you are in the actual community. How do I know that? Because I've experienced it. You know, I've been I've been down that road, and uh, you know, there's a, an appreciation for what you do in your own community with your community banks, and there's also your okay. Go find you mentioned Wells Fargo, so we'll pick on them. I don't know the CEO of Wells Fargo, and he didn't know who the hell I am, and he probably never will, and and likewise. But there are community banks that, like I mentioned, I've had them reach out to us and, and ask questions and be a good partner back and forth. And, you know, they want to solve problems just like you as an entrepreneur and they're doing business. I don't think you should be concerned with rate. I think that you should be concerned with because I noticed that when we were when we were poking around for some stuff and, you know, the banks were like all competing over like a tenth of a percent. And I was saying, I want to know who's going to be a good partner, who's going to make this fast faster, easier, or just like overall, just a better experience. Cause I have other things to do than just that. And there's a lot to be said about that. And the thing I really like about community banks is just, you know, back to that, you know, you got someone that you can call and is going to probably be there to help you, or you have a better chance of that rather than a chat bot or, uh, you know, any of that. And, and, you know, it's, I, there's a lot to be said. So, you know, you got to keep, got to keep trying, you got to keep looking, you got to keep getting after it. And, and that's really kind of what entrepreneurship is all about. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. And for those of you listening, go to keystone.bank and maybe open an account. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Yep. I'll see you down the road. Best of luck to you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.